You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of Innovators Behind Disruption. Uh, I'm joined by Robert DiOrio from RBC Dominion Securities. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Raj, thanks for having me. Really excited to be on your show. Great. Uh, so maybe we can start at the top and you can provide everybody with a little bit of an introduction to yourself and your background and uh, maybe a little bit about your practice as well. Sure. Before I do that, let me start off by saying congrats on everything you've done in the last few years. I, I have to, you know, I've I've been in awe of you and and uh, I've been following you closely. We've I've known Raj for a long time, for anybody who's listening. And so just seeing the progress of your company and what you guys have been able to, to do is is uh, is incredible. So congrats, congrats, first and foremost. Thank you very much, Robert. And I reciprocate that because uh, I've been following you too. And uh, you've been able to build a fantastic practice. And I love the fact that you are embracing disruptive innovation uh, within it. And I'm sure we're going to get to that uh, in a few minutes. I hope we are. And I hope we do. So, um, yeah, so I'll give I'll start with my background. So I, it's funny because um, I started um, in the industry out of school. I was recruited out of university and I was recruited for a summer job. And then before I knew it, that summer job became a winter job and that winter job became a full time job. And that full time <laughs> job became my career. I've never worked for any other company. So so it's, you know, when I listen to like your previous guests, yeah. like an Anthony DiOrio, uh, and I listened to the, some of the stuff. He's no done. relation, by the way. No, no relation. relation. No yeah, relation. To common me, last but, name. Correct. And so pretty and much, so, though, I'll tell you, everybody with the last name Lala is related to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may be related somewhere along the line, but, but no. so, yeah, yeah. So so basically I started in the dot com era. So that's going to tell people how old I am, which is which is which I'm sad about. But so I started <laughs> right when, you know, I was recruited in 1998, <clears throat> This is at the peak. And so uh, and that era, obviously, uh, it was an excitement, kind of like what we're seeing now. There was an excitement about investing and disruption in the Internet and the possibilities of the Internet. And so I started my career right at that point and then, you know, was started portfolio managing two, three years later when, when everything had collapsed. So that's my background. And so we've been portfolio managing ever since uh, with RBC Dominion Securities. And uh, yeah, and so uh, now I have a great team that, that I work with and, and uh, come full circle. And I'll talk about that in a second. So before we talk about disruptive tech and disruptive innovation, and I'm curious as to what term you put onto that, uh, before we talk about that, can you talk, can you share with everyone how you're generally utilizing ETFs within your practice? Yeah, so so we are just to, just to kind of go back. Like we we manage a, a fairly large book of assets, about half a billion in assets, and we do that for you know entrepreneurs and families, private families. So so unlike your ETFs, which are public and everybody can see what's in them, ours are private. So nobody really knows unless we we kind of tell them what's in it. So that we manage those discretionarily, which means that we have the same license as a mutual fund. The difference is we're doing mm -hmm. it for specific private clients, just to make that clear. It's not everybody knows the difference. And so what we're using, where we're using ETFs, and, and this is rule number one, is we know that we're not able to do everything. That has to be super clear right off the bat. So we know we're, what we're good at and we know what our skill set is and we know what we're not good at. So what we're not good at 
is where we don't have a ton of research and we don't have expertise. So that would be in small caps. That would be right. in in right in those areas. That would be in in international areas where we don't have the same research. It would be in emerging markets. It would be in alternative assets, uh, and it would be certainly in fixed income these days because we just don't have the ability. We don't have the inventory to build really robust fixed income, right? And, and so I mentioned alternative assets. That's what we're seeing more and more of those ETFs being used. But that's where we're we're, we're subbing out uh, a lot of that. And by the way, it's increasing. It's not decreasing, mm -hmm. it's increasing over time. Mm -hmm. And so um, why don't we now pivot over to disruptive tech? By the way, what do you call it? Uh, I just call <laughs> it, I just, I, just, I just, you know what? I call it, uh, look, I mean, it's tech, it is what it is. And for me, there, it's just themes, it's growth themes, right? So, so yeah. we can talk about general kind of technology and how that's disrupting our lives, but we can also talk about what's, what's really changing the way how we live. And by the way, it's not only technology, it's technology is enabling it, but it's the way companies are, are bringing things to us, content, how easy it is to use that content, right? The learning capabilities, all that, all those things. Right. So I would describe it as, you know, really growth themes changing our lives. So generational, I, I've taught, I've written about this in blogs. I call it generational kind of themes. So generation meaning it impacts a certain generation. That's about, you know, a 20 year time horizon. And so I'll stick with that generational theme. We'll use that for the podcast today. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, we've heard this term throwing, thrown around quite a bit in terms of, you know, a lot of analysts, a lot of investors feel that most other investors are kind of overweight big tech and underweight growth or innovation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, do you agree with that? I don't, I don't, we don't see that. So, so if, okay. uh, so you want proof of things? Maybe if you look institutionally, possibly, I'm not sure. If you look at it at the private client level, which by the way, there's a lot of money being managed for baby boomers at the private client level. Every mm -hmm. portfolio we get, we do an x-ray. This is the first thing we do. So somebody says, hey, you know, we'd like to work with you guys. We've heard you do great and you have good returns. We've heard you guys, you know, are, are doing planning intelligently versus static. So they, they get referred to us. Our clients are great. They, they, that's how we build our book, right? And so, so that's how we get new clients. And so we x-ray these portfolios and we'd say that couldn't be furthest from the truth. So they're still overweight, especially Canadians for that, for that matter, still mm -hmm. overweight in, in, in traditional areas, in, in, in uh, traditional consumer cyclicals, in energy and in, in, in financials. That's what we're seeing. That's, that is yeah. the typical kind of portfolio. Now, does that, is that south of the border? Is that still happening? I don't know. I can tell you we see more and more big tech or, or established tech, as we like to call it, versus emerging, which would be what what you're you're talking about. But I would say that it's still an underweight uh, category. So, how are you talking to clients about technology in general as a portion of their portfolio? And maybe you can talk a little bit about you know the the larger tech positions, and then how you're introducing to them more disruptive technology uh, investing. So there's a few ways to look at this. So, so we've always been growth investors. Let's, you know, I have to make that clear. We're not, we don't believe in a dividend strategy or uh, a value strategy or that's not our style. So our style has always been grow assets because the most beautiful thing in the world is compound interest. And if you can mm -hmm. create compound interest, you have families and, and that work with us, that will be much richer 
down the road. And that's what we do. It's what we do for ourselves and it's what we do for our clients. It's what we believe. It's our why essentially. So our belief is to make everybody, our, our clients and everybody around us better investors by articulating that compound interest is the most beautiful thing in the world, right? Start with that. And, and so you start with the belief. And then of course, the type of investments we're making are companies that are growing faster than normal, given that, that focus, sure. right? It doesn't mean we're reckless. It just means we're looking for companies that can compound earnings faster, grow faster, revenue faster. And, and so that might mean anywhere from 10 to 30% versus traditionally, you know, five to 8%, let's say. And so, so with that comes obviously a, a bigger weighting in what we call uh, established companies or established tech, because that's what's had that kind of growth for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And obviously a, a, a more, you know, a, a larger weighting to emerging tech. And so th there you would see things, uh, kind of the themes that, that your company would specialize in, for example. And we'll yeah. get into that in a second. But to understand, yeah. <clears throat> to understand like that whole thing, it's really a market-driven decision. So right now, we believe we're in, we're in based on technical analysis, we believe we're in a bull market. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a secular bull market, as they say. So yeah, you've heard about this, right? So this technical thing. So what is this? So there's bear markets and there's bull markets. Rob, make the differentiation, right? So the bear markets and the bull markets are similar in breadth and, and in characteristics is that they last a secular for a secular period of time, which is 16 to 18 years, right? Those are similar in characteristics. And right now we've, you know, as of 20, call it 15, some people say 13, 16, it all depends. We've gone into a bull market phase from a bear market phase, okay? And now, so that bull market is essentially similar to all the other bull markets, which, which people say are inflationary. You know, the bear markets are deflationary. I think it's more than inflation. I think it's, it's all about technological advancement, okay? And so, so the new bull market we're in, just like in the 80s, in the 80s, it was computers. It was, yeah. compu and by the way, there, you could say there was inflation, there was more inflation in the 70s than the 80s, okay? Of course. So yeah. Yeah. computers actually deflated. So you didn't need as many people to do things, right? And so we communicated, we, we learned how to use email in the 90s, right? And then of course, later part of the 90s, we, we had the information highway, which was the, 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 the internet, right? And that changed everything. So in the 50s and 60s, that was the first bull market of our century, and that was industrial tech. So it was companies like General Motors, GE, Coca-Cola, they were using production lines, you know, they're using automation back then. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't mm -hmm. something that humans had at their fingertips in their homes, like in the 80s, but it was relevant in, in industrial. Let's fast forward to today. We're in a bull market today. The, the technicals are saying that. What is leading this bull market? Let's think about this. It's mobility. It's cloud. It's essentially it's tech. So you can broad strokes, you can say it's tech. But it's it's so you know it's it's the way we communicate. Think about social media, think about the way we consume content, streaming. Uh, let's talk about uh, autonomous driving. Let's talk about green tech, right? Let's talk mm -hmm. about sustainable transport. Let's talk about, um, so con I, sp I said content, we could put gaming in there, right? Mm -hmm. You can put mm -hmm. the way we with the way we communicate. Look at the way we're, we're doing this right now. We're looking at each other. We're taping this, right? This would have been impossible, you know, 15 years ago. This would have happened ago. over the, 10 years ago. What happened over the phone, and by the way, if I'm hungry right now, I'll pick up my phone and I'll order Uber Eats and I'll have it here in five minutes. Okay? That was yeah. impossible, you know, 
10 years ago. So this is what's happening. That's the general, these are the companies and, and established tech has, has led this. So we're talking Apple, we're talking Amazon, we're talking Google, we're basically talking Fang, we're talking Facebook, and to a certain extent, Netflix and, 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 and some of the others, right? More recently, sustainable transport, we're talking Tesla, we're talking you know, some of the other things. And then of course, now it goes to the next level. So I'm gonna, I'd like to talk about what I'm super excited about, but I don't know if you want me to, maybe we'll talk about that after. So kind yeah, of no, like go for it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. And you know, I, what, one of the questions that I, I want to get to is how you are talking about this to your investors, like to your clients, because I often use this term conversational alpha, really what, what disruptive innovation is all about. It's very different than talking about the yield curve or talking about a quality dividend strategy. You can talk to them, like in the case of cybersecurity, you can talk to them about the emails that they keep getting from a financial institution that they don't bank with, asking them to click on the link to verify. They've, they've seen it. You can talk to them about the electrification of the car. You can talk to them about their credit card bill, where they see how much money their kid's spending on video games or e-gaming. These are all things that are, are highly relatable um, which I, I want to get your, your perspective on how you actually integrate that into your conversations uh, with clients about that area. Uh, and then, and then you know, keep going with that. And then, you know, go ahead and talk about what are the areas that really excite you the most as well. Yeah, so that's awesome. So I think the biggest mistake we make as advisors, as portfolio managers, is we try and talk a financial language to clients that does not resonate. So it's pretty simple. You have to explain things in, in a, first of all, you have to have a clear belief. If you're a PM and you have no clear belief, you have no business running money. That's number one. Let's make Correct. that clear. Now, Agreed. you can borrow strategies from the industry and you can hide in certain dividend strategies. And I'm not saying, you know, that's not okay. That's fine, right? What I'm saying is the belief will drive everything. So, so whether you're, 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 you're building products like you are so people can invest in these beliefs or you're building portfolios so that they can achieve greater returns over time, which is what we're doing. So those beliefs are, have to be ingrained. So number one, you know, we don't want to talk financial things. We don't want to talk big picture. So it's, it's, it goes back to a book I read before I started in the industry, One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Mm -hmm. Peter Lynch mm -hmm. was a prolific fund manager with Fidelity, okay? And so, so he had some of the best returns ever. And, and it was very simple. Anything he invested, he was a growth manager. And anything he invested yep. in, he said, open your eyes. Look around, look at what your wife's buying, look what your kids are buying, look at what you're using. Raj, you just mentioned, you know, cybersecurity. How many times did my mom tell me, I, I think I clicked on something, I don't know, I shouldn't have done that. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like the 17th time she calls me about this, yeah. but th this, is, this is a problem. So, so yeah. if you know that you're gonna, you know, you're subject to this and you know it's an issue and you know that it's, it's something that we're using and we need to use to protect ourselves, then you know you need to be investing in cloud and cybersecurity because that is an area that is growing right now, right? Same thing with, with, with what you're using on a daily basis. You know, if you're using, if you're streaming at home more and more, which most people did, okay, the pandemic accelerated things, but we're using, you know, streaming services for music, for, for, for movies, for everything, and you're watching less and less of the traditional, you know, uh, cord-cutting broadcasters. Mm -hmm. I don't need to mention who they are. Then we mm -hmm. both know that as an investor, you should be investing in the things you're using more of and getting rid of the things you're using less of. It's very clear. Okay. Same thing goes for the way we're buying 
cars these days or, or the way we're going to, you know, choose how to, to, to move around, right? If we're using more and more services through AI, well, then we should be investing in those things, right? So, so same thing with the way we're buying our products. And so, so all of that is invest in what you, invest in what's growing and what you It's doing. all about relatability. Exactly. You need so, to be able to relate to it. I, I 100% agree with you. And One Up on Wall Street is one of the best books. Uh, and Peter Lynch called it. You're right. I remember, you know, you're talking, go to Walmart and see what everybody's buying. See what's empty on the shelves, things like that. And, this, and you know, those are products to buy. This was, this in, was the in the 80s, 80s. okay? So, so this has nothing to do with technology. It just has to do with a belief, okay? That's so, right. So yeah. I, wanna, I wanna make that clear. And so if we believe we're in a technological renaissance, which we do believe, that's what, how we're basing our decisions. And we've been well compensated for it, by the way. So I guess our belief mm -hmm. is somewhat correct because we're not, we're, not, not, we're not losing money because of it. We're gaining a lot of returns because of it. So then we have to invest accordingly. The epicenter or the core of the portfolio has to be focused on those generational trends and beliefs, right? And then everything around it, sure, sure. You have to portfolio manage and you, know, you can trade and you can buy and you can sell based on valuation. That is fine. But if that core of the portfolio doesn't have that, either through, if you can't do it yourself, if you can't hire a team like ours, and then at least use ETFs to do it, you know, and that's what I tell people. So we're using ETFs within that. But if you're if you're a home gamer and you want to do it yourself, then don't don't try and pick the best cybersecurity company. Buy the ETF that has them all. Okay. Yeah. So so so, yeah. and that's where I can be your advocate because I know that emotional decisions are made, and let's be honest, humans are flawed. Humans make terrible decisions. They make emotional decisions, not based on facts, but based on how they feel, right? And so, so we want to avoid that. In our business, that is a no-no. And running money, that is a no-no. So definitely use facts to make those decisions. So are you, um, and you still haven't gotten to the, the disruptive technologies that are your favorite yet that you find are interesting, but um, are you finding that when you're having this type of conversation with your clients, that uh, they have um, a higher level of education as it relates to these areas? Or are you finding that you are the educator uh, of this? So they know all this stuff. Uh, we're lucky because our client base is, is over half of them are entrepreneurs and a big cohort of those entrepreneurs are tech entrepreneurs. I, remember okay. I, I mentioned that I started during the dot-com boom. I was lucky enough to start managing money for some of the tech entrepreneurs, the godfather entrepreneurs. And through that network, I built more. I built understanding of that network. I have good friends that have referred me to other friends. And then before you know it, you have a cohort of kind of tech and telecom entrepreneurs that, you know, that, that trust you and, 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 and so that, that's the niche we have. So yes, when I speak to them, it resonates, but at the same time, we're mostly educating because, you know, people think of investing as, um, they still think it as a commoditized thing, right? Where, where it's like, okay, I got to get out at a certain time and I have to try and time it at a certain time and I don't trust this. So I better not take a lot of risk, but really investing is not that investing is, you know, you really want to try and grow over time, right? And you want to invest yeah. in what you believe so you get bigger returns. The, the, if I had to go back in time, it took me a good five, six years to, to by the way, I've made mistakes. That's how I learned. And I knew mm -hmm. uh, this style of investing was the best. But because I was afraid and I didn't have as much experience and I wasn't as weathered, you know, as, 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 um, uh, I wasn't as, as uh, I didn't have the kind of acumen. So, so that took time to develop. So I always tell people, I made mistakes for you. So now I, we know what works, right? We've documented those mistakes. 
We're not going to go back and make the same mistakes. And we're all constantly making those processes and those that methodology better, right? So, so I have a, a bunch of webcasts about this, and and I've written about this in our blogs. It, it's all about you know not repeating those mistakes, right? Um, anyways, I think we were talking about um, how we educate, and so education is a big part of what we do. And so, um, and that comes through in the belief as well. You have to have, like I said before, a belief of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then you can educate and people will, will uh, you know, get better and be better investors, which is our why, you know, make everybody a better investor. So I, um, I saw a stat a while ago that said that the average Canadian has less than 2% exposure to disruptive technology within their portfolio. I think it's probably difficult to actually uh, put that stat because because it also depends on how you clearly define disruptive tech. Um, but that is that is way too little uh, compared to what the relative expected growth is going to be of that area of the market. And also, you can't pigeonhole, right? I mean, somebody that's 75 years old is not going to have the same percentage in disruptive tech as somebody that's 35 years old. We know that. But is that is that a lot lower than what you look at for your clients' portfolios? Yeah, so our portfolios don't look like <laughs> look like that yeah. at all. But but I can't say it's all right. So so you there's also cycles, right? So you you go through these shorter term periods like we've seen now in the last two months, where anything that has a higher multiple has a very difficult time. That is the mechanics of money management. It's the fashion mm -hmm. show of Wall Street, where certain things get out of favor and then come back in favor. And that's all part of the working arounds of having a methodology of trimming and buying and trimming and buying. And that's what we do, right? But but having exposure to that is is definitely in our portfolio. So it may be not it may not be 50% like last year or or 30 or 40%. It may be closer to 20, 15 to 20% now in emerging kind of themes, just because you know the market at this point doesn't doesn't reward you for being in these themes as much because we've made a lot last year for being in these themes. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is you manage the size of that. That's that's our our our, our kind of like secondary thing is to manage the risk we're taking, right? When we're when we're going after or we're trying to invest long term in these things. But we know they're going to work long term. It's just they won't go up in a straight line. Some they, you know you get pullbacks. It's normal. It's like anything else. Apple, by the way, pulled back a million times before it came it became a two trillion dollar company. So did Amazon. Mm -hmm. And 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 if you want to you know compare this, there's no difference. Apple and Amazon were once emerging technologies, okay? And nobody yeah. wanted to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Had you done it very early on and you were steadfast, just like had you invested in Tesla, okay, very early on, you were rewarded. Now, there was a difficult period of holding, and sometimes you were, you were cut in half by 50%. But it's, it's being in those long-term is always rewarded investors. It's... Did you make emotional decisions or did you make fact-based decisions to keep you in them? And did you right-size those positions with methodology, buying more when they were down, selling when they were up? That is the key. That's how we have to keep clients in these, these long-term themes because those are the best places to be long-term, right? And so, we, so need, we're we need to make sure there's a methodology around it. So we're recording this in uh, early April, 2021. And the first few months of this year haven't been spectacular for disruptive tech. Maybe we've all gotten a little bit spoiled by 2020, 19, 18 uh, returns. And, uh, you know, we've obviously, as an ETF issuer, participated in it. And there's been a lot more volatility uh, this, this so far this year. How are you managing that with clients right now? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we just like, I mean, I'm sure your some of your ETFs, we've come off one of our strongest years ever, which is counterintuitive given the fact that we've just gone through one of the worst pandemics of our time. But there's a few reasons for that. It's mostly methodology. Let's be clear, we're not taking outsized risk. If anything, our portfolio, the metrics in our portfolio are less risky than the indexes by by a wide margin. But it's because we we had that in the core of the portfolio. So we were able to, right. you know, when everything was down, we were able to double down on our bets calmly because we knew what we were investing in, right? So so that was allowed us to have outsized returns. Fast forward to 2021, that's been done, right? So now we're looking, we're looking at a portfolio that went up a lot. So now we've we had to rebalance the portfolio several times and we've taken money off the table. But where do we allocate that new money, right? That is the, that is the the, the big problem. Uh, and so we keep we keep exposure to the areas we love in the disruptive mm -hmm. areas and the growing areas. But we we're, we're we're aware that the market is not rewarding those because it's going to be very difficult year over year for those companies to show the same kind of increase again next year, uh, this year, right? So maybe in two three years those companies will still be growing at 30 40 percent. But year over year, the big gain has been made. And, and because of COVID, you know, a lot of those earnings were pulled, uh, pulled forward. So uh, in, in, into today versus being slowly but surely kind of like increasing over time. So now the market is rewarding reopening companies because those earnings will be expanding year over year versus last year. So it's just it's just a rotation. And by the way, there are growth companies in the reopening trades as well. And some of them are traditional. You just, it's growth in earnings and revenue. It doesn't mean that those companies are going to change our lives, but those are shorter term things. The generational companies were, are still going to grow. And as a matter of fact, they're going to, it's going to accelerate. The only difference is right now, don't expect the same kind of return you got in 2020 because that was, everything was pent up. Right, so so we needed to make those shifts quickly because of the the situation we were in. Now you can expect a more normalized. And as a matter of fact, I'm quite happy that a lot of these companies and sectors have pulled back because now it gives us a chance to to buy some of the greatest, you know, companies on the planet. But we do it calmly, not at all time highs. Right. So so that's interesting as well. So I've got two more questions before we start uh, closing up here and run out of time. The first is uh, you're an advisor. You've been doing this for a long time. Uh, give us your views on the whole Reddit, Wall Street bets crowd uh, out there. What are your thoughts? Okay, so we didn't talk about bubbles. And, and so I will say a few things. There's things I, 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 that get me nervous and there's things that I love. So it doesn't get me nervous that, that, that we have a cohort of people that are investing and, and love it. By the way, if anything, I'm, I'm, I think it's amazing. I remember it's democratizing, I, it's democratizing investing. It's democratizing investing. It's allowing people to do great things, to build wealth for themselves. Okay. And, and there's no other better wealth creator than investing in companies, investing in capitalism. Mm -hmm. And that's what I believe. Now, uh, you know, that's how I got into the investing is, is, you know, yes, I was interested in it at a young age, but in, in CJEP, I remember in, in university, we were trading as well. We were, we were calling in because we didn't, you know, we were even able to do it fast with our dial up. Uh, you know, yeah. modems and stuff. Yeah. But so we were trading. So I got a taste of that very early on and I love it. What I don't love is I don't love the uh, uh, the enthusiasm behind certain assets that I think um, where celebrities get behind. So so there's a lot of like, I, I call it, uh, you know, there's red flags. And so yeah. when I see a celebrity get behind an NFT or wants to do an NFT, and for the listeners, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a piece of art 
backed by you know digital currency or just non-fungible token non-fungible token that gets me nervous so so i can't be excited about those things uh just like i can't be as excited about bitcoin when it's gone up as much as it has i think it's i think it's here to stay i just think that you know those are some of the things that get me nervous i don't think bitcoin gets me nervous i think the nft and everything around it gets me nervous some of the SPACs get me nervous because these are mm -hmm. companies that you know don't have a lot of earnings. So, so I am excited about what I'm seeing. I don't like some of the bubbly areas um, because that's competing with great companies. And so money comes out of, let's say, a company growing earnings at 40% to go into some new company that has unproven earnings or some NFT. And I think that's dangerous. So just be weary. Don't get caught up in that. Eye on the prize if you're a long-term investor and try and see beyond what, what you know, those small bubbles. I don't think it's a big bubble. I just think it's some small bubbles here and there. I agree. You know, I think a lot of the traditional managers have really criticized the whole Reddit and Wall Street bets movement. And, you know, my view is uh, two parts. One is the fact that I'm a big fan of democratizing investing. And I think that that's great. I don't agree with a lot of the companies that these investors are backing up the truck on, but that's what creates a market. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of the environment that we're in. I don't need to agree. And, you know, I learned a lesson a while ago that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't judge other people's decision-making process. It may not be the right decision for you, but it could very well be the right decision. And I've also recognized that younger investors look at things very different than older investors like myself do and i've often said about nfts one of the one of the one of the reasons i believe that you know this could catch on i don't know is the fact that younger investors tend to look at things more in a more abstract way and people like us tend to look at things more linearly and often more black and white and it's and it and it's tough so i've got it i've got to you know give them uh, I, I can't criticize it. I've got to appreciate yeah. it. And, and let's be clear. We're not, we're not disputing the NFTs. We're not disputing. We're just, yeah. just disputing some of the valuations that are being, you know, right. these things are being sold at. I think, I think there's absolute, absolutely uh, a reason for it. And I believe in it just like I believe in, in crypto and I believe in a lot of things. I just don't know if the prices people are paying for things make a lot of sense. But that's okay because it's an investor's market. And, and so as long as it doesn't drag in, you know, too many people and then, those things get evened out, I think then, you know, the world will, will, will kind of settle uh, on, on a price that's fair. And it's up to you as an investor to decipher what's fair or not. Right. So, so I, I, there's merit in all of it. And if you're dismissing it and you're dismissing any of that, I think, yeah. I think you, you better be careful because you're going yeah. to be absolutely Don't be too close-minded. All right. Yeah. Before we close off your favorite disruptive innovation areas to be investing in. We talked about okay. it at the beginning. We never got to the list. Yes, yes, yes. So, so I mentioned a bunch of them. But the one that I kind of feel really excited about, and 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 I don't, we know how to invest in it, but we're not quite sure yet, is health tech. So mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of antiquated industries that need to be disrupted. There's no question, and they're already being disrupted. We think healthcare generally has the the biggest, let's call it TAM, or the biggest total addressable market, and we think that's the one that that will feel the let's call it the the, the positive. Uh, uh, forces of, of disruption, not negative forces, positive forces. So for example, you know, cures for cancer, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. AI will solve this. You know, we will one, the next trillion dollar opportunity is going to be in this space. And, and that's mm. how we feel, you know? So, so uh, I think, I think health tech is huge. Uh, I so think when you say health tech, are you 
I mean, you're not putting biotech in there or are you putting yeah. biotech in yeah, there? You're so putting so biotech, you're putting wearables, you're everything. putting telehealth. I'm putting the whole everything. sector in there. I'm putting the way we right. take pills. I'm so I'm saying that AI and data will, you know, data data is is king, right? Data is software will lead the world. That's what that's what uh, uh, Peter Thiel said. So data is king. It, it's what you do with that data, right? So so everybody has data. Nobody knows what to do with it. And so the companies that are able to 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 create things from the data, obviously, and 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 find faster paths to to cures and and find faster treatments help us treat ourselves better instead of taking pills why don't we understand the physiology i wear this whoop i'm wearing a whoop right now okay and i have an apple watch the reason why i wear these things is because yes one I'm, I'm i'm athletic i like to get on my bike it's my pastime it's my it's what it's how i i let loose but but it also allows me to track my sleep understand what i'm putting into my body what that's doing to my body the stress i have it's a personal coach now could you imagine if we could take this data up a level Okay, and mm -hmm. we can everybody can be hooked up and we could be getting, you know, information to increase the, the quality of our lives, the longevity of our lives, and to a certain extent replace some of the pills that we're taking with other things, right? So we all know this. We all know yeah. that it's can we get to that point? I think health tech is and I think Apple's a, 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 a very old school way to play it because they're they're already starting to get in it. But there's better ways to play it. There's data and I think data. you're I think you're totally right. I love this space too. We've been exploring it for a while also. And I think one of the key elements to the advancements in in, in healthcare through health tech is we will go from a uh, prescriptive uh, era to a predictive era, meaning that the AI, the wearables, all of these other tools are going to help us avoid the problem. So right now we just go to the doctor when we're sick, right? And so they give us, they prescribe us the pills or a procedure or something like that. That's, that's when we're already sick. But where, where the next future of healthcare is going to be is going to be in preventative uh, and uh, preventative healthcare, which I think is going to be great. In fact, there was a great 60 minutes story on this a few weeks ago, uh, maybe two months ago, you lose track of time during COVID, but uh, a couple months ago that said that, um, that uh, any North American that's born today is going to live to the age of 103. I agree. It's nuts, right? And that's going to be primarily driven by um, the evolution of our healthcare system Absolutely. more than anything else. And then you get into CRISPR, which we won't talk about uh, right now, but that's also really interesting where you can create designer babies and things like that. Anyway, yeah. sorry, that was one. Let's make sure that the next two are faster. <laughs> yeah, companies, companies like Invite, right? DNA sequencing, like yeah. these, these. You no, know, we're talking about Kathy Woods companies now, and I, I don't want to sure. really uh, promote the Arc Fund. We're here to, you know, do other no, things. No, that's okay. Think. No, that's but, okay. But no, these are these are absolutely, uh, you know, just iceberg things, right? By the way, the one thing I always say about Kathy Wood, just while you when you mention her, is first of all, I'm a huge fan. I think she is a rock star, um, and I think that she has been phenomenal for the entire disruptive tech ETF market uh, and, and the industry as a whole. And I believe that we, uh, as a much smaller issuer than ARC, have been one of, the, one of the beneficiaries of her putting disruptive tech into the spotlight. Uh, over, I mean, she's everywhere. Look, you know you've made it when there's t-shirts with your face on it. <laughs> and, so anyway, and, sorry, the other two, the other two disruptive tech. Uh, well, I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, for me, AI cloud is, yeah. is those for sure. Big ones. So, so 
Yeah, so so cloud, I mean, things have kind of slowed down a little bit, but so I like to think of 5G as the, like kind of like if, you know, 5G is all about connecting, you know, devices, right? So when a good example is, you know, we consume content, we used to have to load videos. We'd have to click on the video, we'd have to load. Now you just open it, the video's already going, it's going. So that's enabled by fat off, uh, we call that uh, edge cloud computing, right? Yeah. So now we're getting to the next level. And people are like, oh, that's done. Cloud is done. Everybody's invested in cloud. Not even close. Not even close. As a matter of fact, we've just started investing in cloud. I can think of a, you know, maybe the large corporations have started to, you know, they use Salesforce or they use whatever. We're not even close. You know, so there's so much totally, more. We totally can agree. Do. There is so well, there's much a, more we can do. There, there is. In fact, there's only only 40% of our data is in the cloud. Uh, we still we still have a long way to go. But that, I mean, when we launched our fund, we launched a cloud computing fund a few months ago, and we had advisors say, "Well, haven't we really missed that trade?" And the answer yeah. is, "No, it's no. still very early innings in the space." Part of the reason why it's so early innings, I mean, your firm has been one of the uh, one of the leaders in embracing technology uh, within within uh, the financial services uh, industry. But I mean, one of the challenges for a lot of others is they have these legacy systems that they cannot modernize exactly cloud computing. And that's where the opportunity uh, represents itself uh, as a great area to be invested in. So I, I, we're, on, we're, on, we're on the same page. Um, and AI, and AI, so when AI. I say AI, I mean like- AI is everything. So yeah. if we think about sustainable transport, driverless cars, I mean, yeah. that will change everything. Like you don't need, I mean, I don't want to disrespect anybody who runs a cash register or who drives a truck, <clears throat> but really those people, we can do, like they can do more. You know, they can, they can work in healthcare, they can work in, in societal things. I don't know, they can, they can run the government better than the government's running themselves right now. So what, what I'm saying is, this keeps inflation, by the way, low. They say we're in an inflationary environment. I don't know about that. So yes, we are you know, we are to a certain extent, but at the same time, technology enables everything to be better, faster, and with less expense, right? That's the key. And so all of this is coming. And so I like companies like Uber because that could end up being uh, an Uber everything. And it, and it doesn't even need these contract drivers anymore because we can we can get robots, we can get computers to drive yeah. them, the cars can drive themselves. So they, don't underestimate the power of what this can do for our society. Okay, so so in, in including in our business, so I think that's that's don't lose sight of that. AI is everywhere. I mean, AI is is being utilized by so many companies. I mean, within cybersecurity for preventative threat measurement, within as you said, the automobile uh, sector. I mean, AI has become. I mean, if you if you bought a car in the last couple of years, it's the most sophisticated piece of technological equipment that you own, right? Yeah. And uh, almost all, over a million lines of code going into a car today. So I, to I totally agree. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great area. The challenge I think for AI, just before we close off, in my opinion, is the investable universe is tough to access because AI is part of a lot of technology companies, but there's not a, there's not a big universe of AI listed companies, if you know what I mean. And because um, we've explored it a bunch of times uh, to look at creating an AI uh, ETF. That's a that's a tongue twister, and yeah. uh, and uh, it's it's not easy to find a public company that's just focused on. Uh, it, on AI. Be, you had a you had a big one. It'll be fifty percent Google, you know. So <laughs> it'll be companies yeah, because like they're Google, all using right? it. They're yeah. all using it. Anyways, this was great, Robert. I really appreciate it. We're gonna have to do a part two because I had a, a bunch more questions. So we'll uh, we'll pick this up another time. But uh, appreciate it. Really, congrats on all your success and uh, stay you. safe.
and uh, and wish you continued success. Thanks, Raj. Really appreciate being on. Have Thanks, Robert. Thank you for listening to the Evolve ETFs podcast. If you like this podcast, please like this post. Subscribe to this channel by clicking on the subscribe button. Ensure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting our website, EvolveETFs.com. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.